On this episode of Resi Week, we talk Sony's new AVRs, Origin partners with Netgear, experience as a great teacher, all this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 367, The Origin Story. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for Aviation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Joe Whitaker. He is the Vice President of Business Development for Origin Acoustics. How are you doing, Joe? Good. Glad to be on your show talking about some uh, business development. <laughs> Hey, look at that. What a tie-in. Then we have my favorite Emmy Award winning, Mr. John Henkel. He is the director of SMB product marketing for Netgear. How are you doing, John? I'm still recovering from ISE, but I'm here and I'm happy to be here. I am so glad you're here. Does it ever get tired when, when we continually play the Emmy Award winning thing? Hey, you know, I, I spent a bunch of time uh, trying to get that Emmy. So my hard work, I'm happy to exploit that for as long as I can. Yeah. I love it. I would do the same. I'd have something behind me every day. All right, gentlemen, let's start this off with a story that comes to us from Residential Tech Today. Sony has launched its new ES8K AV receivers featuring 360-degree spatial sound mapping. A read through the article uh, from our good friend Jeremy Glowacki over at Residential Tech Today. He covers the uh, the, the new models that are available for pre-sale right now. Uh, ranging from a $3,300 unit down to a $1,100 US, do the conversion if you're not in the States, uh, like myself, um, with those models. Joe, let me let me start with you on this one. Is, is 8K and spatial, is that the next pull for home theater or, or quote-unquote surround sound? Is that what, what's going to bring receivers back into you know, the uh, regular rooms outside of that dedicated ish space. He said dedicated ish. Yes. Um, as soon as they have content ish ish, I think I remember being on a podcast with you when 4k first came out and we said the exact same thing as soon as there's content. Yeah. Um, I actually was on a podcast with you with that, but you know, the interesting thing is, and I think it was a smart move by Sony is uh, the previous gen models, right? Like, you know, the 5,000 and all of those. Those guys lived mm -hmm. a really long time. Um, and Sony was smart in waiting um, until, you know, the 8K platform. So that was solid. You know, HDMI put out all the rules and the things that HDMI does. Um, spatial audio, though, you know, you talk about what, what it can do now, right? We know that the previous gen lasted for a long time. So if that's going to be their plan again, of course, mm -hmm. they need to put in 8K now. But what you're going to enjoy now is the spatial audio part, because there is already stuff mastered um, for the different formats of spatial audio. So in that, they finally stepped up. I mean, now it's time for me to retire mine and get this new one um, because, you know, I need a little be able to enjoy some of the stuff they're putting out there now in spatial audio, which the current. The, you know, the previous model doesn't support. So that's where they're doing good because that could be used right now. 8K is just like audio control and other companies. That's future proofing. There really isn't any content yet. 
Mm -hmm. Um, So excited to see what that content's going to look like. Uh, But, you know, for right now, they're, they're, they're doing something safe, future proofing that product. Uh, But the spatial audio is the big deal Um, because everything I've heard about it, it, it really is good. Just before we go to John, let me ask you this real quick. I have played with spatial. Obviously we, we used it with Atmos a little bit and that's, that's effective. Every other bit of spatial going down to my iPhone and AirPods, which is where I use spatial the most. It's lackluster for me. Do you expect this to push spatial forward beyond just again, generic Atmos? Yes. And there's a couple, there's just a few really easy reasons why me and you argued about Atmos for music a long time ago. Me and you had that, mm-hmm. that back yep. and forth about Atmos for music. And I thought it was stupid uh, because you, you sit at a stage, they're all in front of you. They're not behind you. Why do you need that? Um, but, but what they're doing with spatial now is you have to look at the way gaming is right. And you have to look at uh, the way VR is now, right? And and we are going to go into a space where the headphones are not enough, right? For VR, you actually have to have spatial audio around you inside a dedicated room so that you could feel that. Now, keep in mind, a lot of the audio and video stuff that we see now was kind of brought on by the gaming industry, yeah. right? So, so yeah, what we're point. seeing in gaming always transitions into what happens into a dedicated theater. So they're getting ahead of the curve. Yes, I think spatial is going to be even bigger. And I think it's not going to lackluster. Forget about that. I think it's going to get, they're going to, they're going to push it hard. All right. I like it. John, l- let me ask you this. Um, and I'm going to kind of lean on you to pull out a crystal ball for a second. We have not yet seen 4K become prevalent anywhere other than streaming services, cable, uh, OTA, all of that jazz, you're still lucky to get 1080, let alone for 2K or 4K. With them pushing 8K in the new receivers, with some of the display manufacturers pushing 8K, content makers and creators on that side, they're creating and filming in 8K a little bit, but we're still... I'm thinking years. How long do you think it's going to be before we start to see some reliable AK? And what is that going to do to infrastructure when they start pushing it? Yeah, it's definitely going to be years. No question. I mean, look, the Super Bowl, right, was not shot in 4K. Yeah. It was upscaled, right? So, I mean, there's a good example. The, the One of the biggest sports events, if not the biggest sports event in the world, was just shot at, at 1080 because it's mm-hmm. a lot of money for that infrastructure for the broadcast facilities. So I think this is a good way to upgrade for people. And again, like Joe had said, future-proof for sure. But just like 4K, we're all talking about the content took forever. It's still going to take forever. Uh, it's not It's not going to happen in a couple of years. I think it's going to be more than that. Um, I think the the beauty of this is for, for gaming, for sure, and uh, VR, some AR stuff as well. And that, that also plays to the, you know, beyond the headphones part of the sound part of it too, where it's more than just me in my den or my man cave or whatever doing playing a game. It's going to be my wife, my kids, all of us together experiencing this together. So that's where the audio needs to kick it up another notch and be easier to implement for one thing. And that's one thing I got from this. I'm, I'm not a big gamer. I don't have kids, so I don't have that to worry about. But things like this auto phase uh, uh, help, you know, auto phasing your speakers, things like that are going to make sure that the experience is good for everybody. 
So yeah. I, I see little thing, little features like that become kind of a, a, a cool thing that uh, Sony and others are probably going to start doing to help make it just better overall. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story. This comes to us from CE, uh, CE Pro and Jason Knott, Origin Acoustics Partners with Netgear, which again, is great that both of you are here. So weird. So weird. Yeah, my producers are awesome. I mean, I just show up and, and read stories and copy. All right. Uh, there will be some models available directly from Origin Acoustics, as well as uh, some some staffing and engineering help within, which is fantastic. And because you're both here, I'm not going to talk any more about it. You can read the article yourself. Uh, but John, tell me a little bit more about how this partnership came to be and how it benefits uh, or a little bit origin. Obviously, Joe can speak to that, but how it benefits Netgear. Yeah, and I'll speak to the, uh, I have to let Joe speak to the origin of this relationship, pun intended. Ooh, ooh, look at that. <laughs> nice. I didn't plan that. Ahead. It wasn't written down either. It just kind of happened. Um, Netgear's been fostering relationships for years with all kinds of great partners. So what we noticed with this one, I think, is that origin came to us. You know, they, they realized, look, we want to get into this marketplace a bit more. And the people to do that with are those that are established and, and the leaders. And that's Netgear. So I've been very fortunate to be part of the Netgear team the last few years in bringing that to the market uh, and making it easier for integrators, for the end users, for everybody to start getting into networking because it's not easy. Uh, and I'm an AV guy. I'm, I always say this. I'm, I'm not an IT guy. I can configure a switch in, in moments uh, and it makes it so much easier. So for us in Netgear, it validates what we've been doing for the last several years in the marketplace and says, yeah, you know, people want to work with us. They recognize the Netgear name and Netgear AV now really is, you know, more of the brand that, that we're here to help you in the marketplace. And that's what Origin wants to be a part of. Yeah, I love it. Joseph, um, and, and again, you and I go way back and we've talked all kinds of networking problems and stories and success things. Since coming on Origin, we've watched Origin develop a lot of partnerships, which I, I know you've been, I'm not going to say necessarily instrumental in, even if you are, I'll never say it because we've been friends for too long. <laughs> but what, what prompted Origin to connect with a networking company because, and again, if you, if you look at it from the personalities, it makes perfect sense to me why you guys are expanding the way you are. But when you look at it as origin is a speaker company and now origin is working with a networking company, <laughs> again, it kind of makes sense, but it's a little bit unexpected. What, what brought you two together? How is it going to help Origin? It's it's funny that you put it that way because pre-ISC, right when, you know, kind of the announcement went out, um, closed doors meetings with dealers pre prior to um, any of this happening, kind of exploring it is what you just said, a speaker company, right? And, and that's kind of where it's a hang up. And, and it's, it's one I hope people don't stick to. Um, because when you think about it, even from the beginning, Origin Acoustics was a technology company, you know, and the foundation has always been to build the best products, partnerships and deliver services for our dealers, for our clients and to, you know, for the industry as a whole. I mean, you look at their first speaker, that's another speaker, but it had benefits, technology design, patented stuff that made a better mousetrap, so to speak. 
Um, but we're just kind of growing that when you think about it, you know, the, the uh, Netgear one was kind of big and it caught everybody's attention, but it's nothing that hasn't already been happening already. Right. Like, you know, we work with Crestron, we work with audio control, we work with lighting leaf on lights, we do acoustic panels. So it's just the growth of that same trend that started in the beginning, best services possible that we can give to our dealers, especially as, you know, that, that dealer level grows, you know, we're doing international stuff, of course, but, but the partnership is even more unique in that it's part of our five-year roadmap. Um, we know all these things are being better connected and we know who the competition is out there in networking. And Matt, as long as you've known me, you know, you know, I, I'm all about, you know, that internal, the center of it all. It is the network. How can we as Origin Acoustics expect our dealers to really um, put out quality systems and all of that when they're using inferior product? Um, so as part of my job, it's, you know, I've got to, I've got to figure out a way to do an end to end solution. Um, and the best partner for us, of course, is Netgear. I've used all the competition. I know what it looks like. I know what's expected. And as I still work with Cedia for the, you know, working on the ANSI ISO uh, networking certification, all those things fall right in line. And, and that's why, you know, we got, a, I got a lot of those questions at ISC. I know John did too. We were actually talking at his booth about some of these questions about the why. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the why, the answer to the why is we know all of our integrators can do better. So we have to do better. And to do that, we're going to have to deliver end to end solutions, not just on one end of the spectrum from the beginning to the end. Yeah, I love it. Um, talk for a second, either one of you, both of you, whatever, on the design side, because that's always the one that um, either gets ignored completely from manufacturers, or it gets talked up a lot, and then typically falls short from the dealer side. I can speak if you don't mind, of course, because we've offered that service for years now. And that's one of the things that at first, I think we didn't realize how big it was. Because, you know, Netgear's got 26 years of networking. Yeah, we do this, no problem. But we realized in, in commercial AV and certainly I think more in residential AV, networking is new and it's complicated. So we have a team of people around the world at the with an email address. That's all you have to do. Send an email to proavdesign at netgear.com and you're going to get somebody within a couple of hours who can help you figure out what switch you want, figure out the proper placement, uh, the, the uplinks, the whatever you need to know for making sure your AV over IP system is going to work fine. So that, that's a new thing. Nobody else does that. You cannot get mm -hmm. Cisco on the line. You can't get anybody else on the line to do that. So we do that. So one of the unique things about it is um, turnaround time. Uh, so we've already ran some of our dealers through the process. I've been on the phone while this was going on. And uh, seriously, uh, our one of our salespeople, Miranda, we ran her house through it. The turnaround time, I was thinking, you know, it'd, it'd be five, seven days. No, it was like three hours. Like every design we sent in, we had full heat maps, what, a list of what all access points channels were supposed to go on. Um, everything, bill of materials, all of it. I think three hours was the longest one. Um, so it it is a very valuable service. And on our side, we're also going to try... Um, to teach our dealers how to monetize it, right? Um, you know, Matt, I I never gave away a free design uh, for anything. 
So yeah. we're, we're, we're going to try to, to use this to kind of help teach them um, that their des design is important. You know, they do have to fill out all the stuff and sit in the meeting to make sure the design is right. Uh, dealers, integrators need to stop giving their time away for free. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems and a good friend of the show, Mr. Henry Clifford. Experience is the best teacher. Uh, read through the story. Uh, you can skip over the humble brag of Henry rides his bike all the time and works out because he's that guy. Um, and hopefully he'll listen to this and get that joke. But uh, long and short, he had a uh, a new or a, a newer sales guy that was working for him who fell trapped to the, we have a list of rules in how we operate the business. And he was in front of a client who didn't like the way the rule applied to them in that situation. Uh, and Henry had to walk him through how to, how to break the rules to play by the rules kind of a little bit. Uh, Joe one, this is, this is a story that we've all had. Every one of us has, has probably done this ourselves. How do you go about teaching people how to play within your rule book, you know, your, your, your operating procedures that your company runs, but also teaching them how and when to go off script? Um, Henry said a magic thing in here. Uh, I got to give him a lot of credit on it. Me and him have talked about it before. It's emotional intelligence, right? Um, it's, a, it's that ability mm -hmm. to read the room. Um, you know that there is an end result that you're trying to get to, whether it is like the, like this story, the close of a sale or an additional component that could hold up the close of a much bigger sale. Um, I, I like the way Henry did it, where he's experienced that. I've experienced that. Matt, I know you've experienced something like that. But the ability to be able to kind of read what's going on. And sometimes we all know we have to make some concessions right? If we're trying to get to our end goal, the results we want, we are going to have to make some concessions along the way. And typically these could be breaking the rules, going off script, all of those kind of things. I think, especially in sales, all salespeople should be prepared and aware that they are going to have to do that eventually. Um, and in sales, when you're trying to get to that end result, I always say, it's, it's better to ask for forgiveness and permission because you're, you're kind of breaking something to get to an end result that the entire company and bosses are agreed on. How you get there as a salesperson is totally up to you. And salespeople need to understand that they are the shiny diamond in the room at the time. They're the guys that got to make the transaction happen. You do what you got to do to make the transaction happen. So, you know, kudos for, for Henry for, describing that way that it that way because dealing with those high level high profile clients is much different than a car salesman like it's you really have to be able to figure out what's going on and how to get to the end game yeah that's a really good point john i i i think that solving these problems is always easier than it looks how do you go about raising people up and and helping them progress and not getting stuck on these little things. Cause in this story, in this situation, uh, Steve, who was the, uh, the, the sales guy that Henry's talking about, this could have been a, a break point for him, right? This, this could have been something that's going to get to a point where he's going to have a hard time trying to get that add on sale 
because he had a bad experience. How do you go about continuing to try and raise up your teammates and, and your team members so that they can continue to progress? Well, I think the risk in this case, Matt, was also he might have lost the entire job because of that one yeah. little thing, right? The customer could have said, screw it, I'm out of here. You know, I don't, I don't need to be treated like this. Um, I think the key point, and I try to do this with my team uh, at Netgear as well, or anybody I'm with really, is empower them. And that's the key point in the article, I think. That salesperson needs to be empowered to make those decisions on, on their own. Mm -hmm. Emotional intelligence, they have to be smart enough to be able to figure that out. But they have to have the power. And, and this comes up in, in every part of our life, right? Where there's something happens at a retail store and the clerk or whoever else just can't figure it out. And they were not told they could make a concession and say, okay, Mr. Customer, I'll just give this to you this one time and we'll move on. Little things like that. So they need to find a way to make sure they can, they're allowed to do that. Cause a lot of people aren't like us on this call where we just can, can do it. We just figure a way to do it. And they want to make sure they're allowed to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a key part of this. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap up the day with one quick story, uh, mainly so Mitchell stops putting it into the list. Uh, this comes to us from CE Pro and Jason Knott. Are solar carports the next niche market? Former iRoom CEO Mark Hoffer uh, sees the potential market for integrators installing solar carports with built-in EV charging stations. Read through it. Uh, World 4 Solar uh, has a pre-assembled, pre-configured, easy-to-install marketing jumble. John, is it good marketing? Come on. Um, that cr creates a independent and sustainable energy source for electric vehicles. All right, gentlemen. Um, I have an opinion on this, which I will not share till the end because <laughs> I don't want to color your opinions. John, let me start with you on this. In principle, this seems like a great idea, right? It's a package. You just got to find property owners that'll let you install it or who want it and integrators can go put this in. Is this, obviously it would be niche, but is this a potentially good niche that integrators should be looking at? I think any possible way to expand your reach and to diversify your uh, talents, your services is great. You know, another way to have some recurring revenue, look, not only installation, but what about monitoring of that power station of that uh, carport? That's something to think about. You know, you know, we sell remote monitoring software for that very reason. You can then, you know, monitor that remotely and, and uh, roll a truck only when needed, not have to do it for any stupid little thing and reset it. So I, I think it's a great way to add some recurring revenue for anybody who wants to get involved. All right. I like it. Joseph, I, I, I see some, some pitfalls with this. And again, I'll leave my full opinion to the end. When we look at niche markets like this that are far from the typical residential integrators vertical, is that concerning? Typically, I would say yes. However, um, you know, if you if you look through everything these guys are doing, um, they're making it very self-sufficient and self-contained, right? Um, you know, one of the models you're told, you know, get a concrete guy out there to pour the concrete, get an electrician to do this portion. They're laying it out where the transaction flows through the integrator. However, they know their shared work, right? Uh, integrator's not mm -hmm. going to pour a big slab of concrete. Um, they're also not going to run those cables. So 
I, I don't want to say it's a loaded thing, but it kind of is in that if you look at it in different ways, right? Sure, on the face, it looks like a carport. And I've actually had this discussion about this particular company. Um, it has a lot of other placements when you're looking at places like California, where, where areas are smaller. This thing becomes um, a canopy out back. Um, it becomes a cover for a swing set. It becomes a lot of different things because they do have a model that doesn't have the charger built into it for an automobile, right? They also have just one that's straight solar and goes into your uh, internal home infrastructure. So I think that's how they're going to make this niche actually work, right? Because the solar on the roof, integrators tried that. We know it doesn't work, but there's a lot of liability with that. Um, and a lot of other things with other ways solar is done, right? With code compliance. This model, because it's all self-contained, it ships in one big box, it's pretty much already almost pre-assembled. Um, they're going to be able to get away from a lot of the holdbacks from all the previous generations we've seen of solar in the past. So I, I, I think they're on to something with what they have. They might just need to find other areas to use it besides just the carport. That's a really good point. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. John, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Netgear, where can they do that? I'd say go to netgear.com slash AV and you can find out all that we offer. I'm, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I used to be on Twitter, but I left. So LinkedIn is the other place to find me. <laughs> Perfect. Joseph, my friend, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Origin Acoustics, where can they do that? They can always find me on all the socials at just Joe Whitaker at or and they can find me at Origin Acoustics. Um, you can always email me at any time, Joe at Origin Acoustics. And, you know, with this this Netgear partnership, I will say we're probably weeks away from offering all our dealers, all the Pro AV line switches, three different, uh, well, actually, I guess it'd be four different Wi-Fi access points from the 618 to the 638E, including our own kind of exclusive model. Uh, the OA4 Wi-Fi 6, um, small form factor, really good Wi-Fi 6 access point. And hopefully here pretty soon we'll be releasing our um, toolless uh, easy install enclosure for Netgear's access points. So lots of new fun stuff coming up. And you can, like I said, find me on all the socials, shoot me an email. I'm always available to answer questions. Awesome. Thank you both again for joining us. Uh, thank you for tuning in and joining us as well. If you'd like to connect with me, you can still find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Yeah.